And welcome once again to the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast. If you're left, you just ain't right. Uh, let's get this kicked off, folks, uh, with from Bear Creek, Animal Magnetism. Very, very good blog. Not a lot of content, but what the content is there is phenomenal. You should make it a daily read from bearcreek.com. And he had some thoughts on uh, well, the new Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Um, well, I don't have anything against Kevin McCarthy. Uh, is he, would he have been my first choice? Heck no. Jim Jordan would have been a choice ahead of him. Steve, Steve, uh, Scalise, uh, several would have been, uh, my first pick over him, but he's what we get. And he made a lot of concessions to get in the speakership. And I think they're pretty good. And from Bear Creek looks at those today. Uh, again, this was late Friday night. Kevin McCarthy was finally elected on the 15th try as Speaker of the House of Representatives. And here are some of the thoughts. Uh, McCarthy repeated, reportedly agreed to major concessions, convincing the holdouts to support him. Uh, he said, I think we hammered out a historic agreement that's going to change the way Washington, Washington does business. Now, I don't know if that's true. I hope it is, uh, because Washington does business in a very, let's face it, inept, corrupt, uh, lazy, and unpatriotic way. I'm just going to lay it out. In the Senate, you can say the same thing. You could probably go in every state and find council, uh, you know, state representatives, state assemblymen that don't that do the same thing. And governors, you can go to mayor's offices, county commissions, city councils. Our government sucks, okay? Many good people in it, but the corruption, the ineptitude, the laziness, it's just, it's people who don't take their duty as a solemn duty to hold the office and execute the office no matter how powerful it is or how small it is, okay? I'm just as my opinion. Here's some of the concessions, though. A single member can vote to vacate the chair. In other words, they can they can say, hey, I don't think this person should be speaker anymore. Why would anyone have a problem with that? I don't know. A hard line on the debt limit. Well, you know, I was just uh, listening to something just the other day, and a number hit me really hard. It wasn't that long ago this was recorded. And it was talking about the responsibility of government and and as far as giving money away in forms of charity or aid or whatever. And we really have totally forgotten what the Constitution says. And the person referenced the national debt of 16 point something trillion dollars. We're almost double that now. And that wasn't that long ago. We are absolutely uh, high speed rails to hell to bankrupt this country. So there needs to be a line on the debt limit. We need to start paying it down. I think the last president who brought it down, I know Andrew Jackson did. Uh, Other than him, there was one other person, and I forget who that was. Uh, Then there's been presidents, their administrations, it balloons up. But we, you know, fiscal responsibility when it comes to the government, doesn't exist anymore. 
the amounts of money they talk about in every bill, it, it's like it's made up money. It's pretend money. It's like they're a bunch of kids playing a game. But this isn't a game. And they're not children. Uh, votes on term limits and border security. We do need term limits. I believe that. And border security is, again, it border security is almost as, to say border security now, is as absurd as saying fiscal responsibility when it comes to this government. And that doesn't just stick to the Democratic Party either. Uh, open rules on spending measures and the ability to bring up standalone appropriation bills. Personally, I think everything should be a standalone bill. Easy to read, easy to decipher, plain language, and then let give the constituents a period of time to contact their representatives and say no or yes or that sounds great or that sounds awful, and then vote on it. Instead, we get these huge, huge packages of bills uh, that, uh, my God, it's, it's eight, nine, twelve hundred, fourteen, four thousand pages. Who knows? They get bigger and bigger. And no one knows what the hell's in them. And they kind of plop it down on the desk, as one representative said over the weekend. And here we've got 12 hours to, to read it. It's 4,000 pages. Who's going to read that much and digest it and think about it? and then make an informed decision in 12 hours. It's absurd. So we have to do something about that. Uh, let me see. Another one, McCarthy's leadership pack will stay out of open primaries, open rules on spending measures, and the ability to bring up standalone appropriation bills already covered, discretionary spending cap, and a commitment to set up a committee on the, quote, weaponization of the government. Now, I don't know Senate and House, they seem to look into things, and nothing ever seems to change or get done. So I don't have a lot of faith in those. Maybe when we see actual, actual results, I would believe in them. Uh, but the one I don't see here, and what animal commented he says one thing i don't see there is a requirement to allow reading time for bills and there is one in there because it was being discussed yesterday on the news i would prefer he writes to see six weeks uh but 72 hours is a time i've seen kicked around that's what i heard to 72 hours which is not enough time because it's not just reading it it's digesting it, it's thinking about it, it's looking up what the Constitution says about this measure, or that measure, or this part of the bill, or that part of the bill. It, it, you need a longer period. And you need single-issue bills. You don't need these massive, thrown-together bills that are basically nothing but hand out to, to a, of a bunch of pork, to a bunch of porkers out there, who rake in money, get rich, get wealthy, benefit themselves, and don't really do anything for their constituents. Again, that has to stop. And the idea that you would ever read, not read a bill, but vote for it. Excuse me? I think the first thing I ever learned when I signed any type of, of legal document was read it first. You have to read it first. I mean, the worst lawyer in the world will tell you that. But somehow it seems to be a problem for our government. Uh, let me see. 
again, he points out, we've seen too much damage from Congress passing bills that none of the members have read. There are things in there that you don't even know about. But 20 years down the road, oh, look, some bureaucrat found something to go after somebody. And it was in this bill that was passed that no one read because no one had time. As for the term limits, I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure there have been court rulings that term limits for Congress would require amending the Constitution. I don't know about that either, but that's what I like about this guy from Bear Creek, from BearCreek.com. He actually refers back to the Constitution. How revolutionary. Our founding documents should be what all our political people look to and say, let me check with the Constitution first. But they don't. They check with their political uh, backers, people who fund their campaigns. They check with all kinds of people, but they don't check with the Constitution. Again, that has to stop at certain at a certain point. Uh, I don't know if it will, but uh, it needs to. Uh, let me see. And a committee on the weaponization of, of government, what will that accomplish? Well, I believe my answer would be nothing. As in zip, zero, nada, zilch, no good, done. When was the last time any such committee resulted in any actual charges or convictions? They're nothing but dog and pony shows. Look at me, look at me, look at me on TV. See, look at me, I care about you. That's all it is. It's show. It's a dog and pony show. And dog and ponies can have shows. That doesn't belong in Congress. That belongs in Congress about as much as groomers belong in elementary schools. Uh, they may accomplish something with hearings. Everyone with enough brains to pound sand knows that there have been uh, manifold abuses of power on the part of the FBI alone, more than sufficient to land people in the pokey. But I'm skeptical that anything will be done about it. In the end, it will all slide. That's, uh, I got to say, I got to say, I think he's correct. Just a quick note on that, though, that I wanted to mention. Now let's move on, my friends, to a story of, well, victory for common sense, for freedom of speech, and uh, it's from Flag and Cross, and here's the headline, MAGA hat-wearing teacher in a deep blue state. Well, they got a major legal victory from a federal court. Let's look at this. Lori Wickenhauser of Western Journal is, is credited for this piece. A federal appeals court has ruled that a public school teacher was within his rights to wear a Make America Great Again hat to two faculty training sessions. I would have loved to have been on those faculty training, faculty training sessions when he walked in with a hat. I wonder how many woke teachers. You could identify all the woke people immediately. They would just stick out like sore thumbs. Uh, really, we shouldn't call them sore thumbs the way the woke people are now. We should just call them aggravated hemorrhoids because that's basically what they are. A three-judge panel of the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals that used to be like the most left-wing, the Ninth Circuit, has changed. And you know who changed it? Trump and uh, judicial nominees to that court. Thank you. President Trump for that. And I'll give some credit. Thank you to McConnell, uh, the Senate leader of the GOP, 
who got a lot of these these seats filled with with uh, Trump's appointees. Thank you for that. I still think you ought to retire, Senator McConnell. Seriously, get out of the way. Let someone else younger. But I'll give you credit where it's due. Now, this is science teacher Eric Dodge was protected by the First Amendment right to free speech with his choice of headgear. Bravo. That sounds reasonable. Dodge, then a then a science teacher at Y East Middle School in Vancouver, Washington, uh, wore the bright red MAGA hat commonly associated with, with supporters of then-President Donald Trump to a two-day... Listen to the kind of training session was. It was a cultural sensitivity training. You better be sensitive in your culturing, okay? We don't want any insensitivity in our culture, bitches. Uh, But a two-day cultural sensitivity training session in August of 2019, according to the Colombian. Uh, This is what uh, Oregon Live reported. He took off his mega cap upon entering the training, but left it. Visible on his desk. Well, if you wear a hat, you come inside, you do what a gentleman is supposed to and take your damn hat off when you're inside. And you sit on your desk, somehow that's a problem. Was he supposed to hide it? Maybe he should have put a brown paper bag over it so you wouldn't be offended. It hurt my feelings. It did. It hurt my feelings. Uh, Dodge said the principal of the school... Caroline Garrett told him that the professor leading the session felt intimidated and traumatized. So someone coming in a building takes their cap off and puts it on their desk. How does that traumatize you or intimidate you? I mean, really, are you that much of a wimp? Are you little feelings hurt? Did you Were you scared? Good Lord. Uh, but the professor leading the session felt intimidated and traumatized by his actions. And she asked him to use better judgment, according to the guardian, or excuse me, the Colombian. Well, again, it's a free country. How about you feel free to not be offended or to say, well, to each his own. How many times I've heard that in my life to each their own. It's not your business. Don't worry about it. Common sense. Uh, But Dodge said he was verbally attacked by Garrett and other school employees after bringing the hat to the staff meeting a second time. Well, why can't they get along with others? Why can't they be tolerant and inclusive and sensitive? You ever notice the people pushing these things, screaming, ranting, and raving like absolute lunatics? Uh, they're the folks who, who have no tolerance, no inclusion, no sensitivity. They want to dominate. They want to rule. They want to rule with an iron fist. And they want to tell you what you may wear, what you may say, what you may eat, what kind of car you can drive, how often you can drive it. They want to tell you all these things. And then they cry about their sensitivity. Uh, Oregon Life said Garrett called Dodge a racist. And a homophobe. I wonder if he has any evidence for those. Or, or does he just call people names like a like a fourth grade bully? Uh, Fox News said Dodge's lawyers argued that the school had no prohibitions against political speech at the time. In fact, Garrett allowed 
listen closely, a Black Lives Matter poster to hang in the library and sported a Bernie Sanders bumper sticker on her car. The incident prompted Dodge to file a lawsuit alleging that the treatment he received constituted a retaliation that violated the First Amendment, uh, right to free speech, and after losing the first round of the federal case, the three-member Ninth Circuit panel ruled that the wearing the hat was protected speech, protected speech by the U.S. Constitution, and evidence that some faculty members were offended was not enough to override Dodge's free speech rights. In other words, my free speech and your free speech, guess what? They're more important than my feeling offended or your feeling offended. Get over it, Snowflake. It's that simple. Now let's uh, let's get to the main story. Uh, Daniel Greenfield. This is at the uh, the uh, first post in the Daily Gator right now, I believe. The Daily Top Five is is the lead story, uh, and this is kind of disturbing. Some details I'm going to share are are pretty graphic. And again, if you have small kids around, sensitive people, just a, kind of a fair warning for you. You can pause the podcast right now and and let them go somewhere where they can't hear it. But again, Daniel uh, Greenfield had this up on Front Page Magazine. And let's start right at the beginning. Scott McLaughlin bragged, I'm fucking killing that bitch. He came back covered in Beverly's blood. When he led the police to his ex-girlfriend's body, they found her naked from the chest down with her bra stained red. Scott admitted to stabbing the victim over and over again. So basically, this man butchered his girlfriend. The autopsy found evidence that he, that he may also have strangled her and scratches on her chest and pubic area. There was reason to believe that he had raped her as well. The vicious murderer had previously, listen to this, had previously served time. Well, what did he serve time for? Should he have still been in prison? I would say yes, because listen to what he served time for. For sexually assaulting a 14-year-old girl. Now, look, I uh, I try to be an understanding person to understand people who want maybe more lenient sentences or give people second chances more quickly. If you get uh, convicted of sexually assaulting a 14-year-old girl, you, your ass ought to be swinging from a damn tree. That's just my belief. Maybe you disagree, and that's fine. But uh, I would not bat an eye uh, or testify against anybody, probably, that I knew took part in such an act. Because when you do that to a 14-year-old girl, you ought to never see the light of damn day again. Now, while bait, uh, dating Beverly Gunther, the murder victim, he had repeatedly assaulted her. She's a serial abuser. Later stalked her, broke into her home, and threatened her. Beverly did obtain an order of protection against him, which is pretty well meaningless. A police officer had walked her from her job to her car for a week. I guess after a week it stopped, and, well, eventually she got slaughtered by this guy. Once, uh, once feminists would have condemned the system for failing her. And they'd have been damn right to do so. They'd been absolutely perfectly right to do so. But Scott not only killed the woman, 
he stole her gender. This is where the story gets even more perverse. His prison makeover into amber, uh, mouth decorated with an uneven slash of rose pink lipstick, and hair held back in ringlets, began with an official taxpayer-funded gender transition three years ago. So the taxpayers got to pay for this, for this murderous son of a you-know-what to become a woman. Uh, now that same grotesque serial killer visage stares from pro-crime posters brandished by sympathizers. Yes, he has sympathizers. Yes, because his sentence, oh my God. The, the cry from his sympathizers is, save Amber, they beg. On social media, feminists who used to fight for women, remember, feminists took selfies wearing pink nail polish to protest Scott's looming execution. A number of them gathered in the rain outside waving pink signs, hashtag clemency for Amber. For what? For the 14-year-old girl he sexually assaulted or the person he absolutely brutally slaughtered like she was some kind of freaking hog. Which one does that son of a bitch deserve clemency for, my friends? Let me ask. Doesn't that person matter that he brutalized and treated worse than you treat a piece of trash? What the hell is wrong with you people? According to the leftist pro-crime activists, the killer had asked them to wear pink in solidarity with him or her or it or whatever. Uh, women and a few men made sad faces and held up pink fingernails with the camera, demanding that Scott, who is now going by Amber, should be spared the death penalty. Well, I don't know how to handle it. I mean, Scott committed this crime. Amber's still guilty of it. Fry his ass twice. Maybe give him, uh, maybe give him the uh, the uh, what did the shot that kills? I don't know if they have lethal injection there, but then give an antidote, wake him up, and then do it again. That's what this piece of garbage deserves, my friend. Outside the prison where he was executed, so he has been executed. I want to make that clear. They formed a circle and held up candles. What are they celebrating? Is it because it's a transgender person? It's obviously a sick, 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 crazy person. And I mean crazy on a level you can't even fathom, my friends. Representative Cory Bush, who hates everybody, of the racist squad co-signed a letter urging Missouri's governor to save Beverly's killer because while raping and stabbing a woman to death, which is what he did, she was also silently struggling with her identity, grappling with what we now understand as gender dysphoria. Call it whatever you want. This was a murderer getting their just due. Corey Bush, you horrible human being. Uh, Miss McLaughlin's cruel execution. I bet McLaughlin's death was a lot neater, a lot cleaner, a lot more, shall we say, civilized than what he did to that woman while he was butchering her. But apparently that woman doesn't matter. 
she's just she doesn't get headlines i guess uh, let me see. Miss McLaughlin's cruel execution will mark the state's first use of the death penalty on a woman since the U.S. Supreme Court reinstated capital punishment in 1976. Representatives Bush claimed in defense of a man who had cruelly executed an actual woman. Uh, Bethany Mann, who is the Democrat congressional candidate for the 3rd District, along with the Missouri Democratic LGBTQ caucus fuss that we resoundingly reject the violence in executing a member of the LGBTQIA plus community during a time of increased attacks, attacks and hateful rhetoric across America. You mean attacks like butchering a woman after you beat her and abused her, stalking her, after all that and, and the butchering of her, that's not an attack, you sick freaks. Oh, and the hateful rhetoric. <laughs> uh, trust me, if you want to hear hateful rhetoric, go Google any uh, Corey Bush speech and just listen. Spare a murderer, Daniel Greenfield writes, because some states are banning the sexual mutilation of kids. And thank you, Governor DeSantis. Amber is a gentle human. Well, obviously, I wonder if, if Beverly could be brought back to life. I wonder what she'd say to that. Uh, Elise Max, who is an anti-Israel activist, so she's pro-terrorist, pro-Hamas probably, and she probably wants to do porn with uh, Islamic jihadists, if she could. Uh, she's calling this person the gentle human. Gentle humans do not butcher one another. Elise Max, you need some help. Seriously, serious mental health assistance, I would have to say. Truly disgusting, my friends. Uh, let me see. Now, this anti-Israel activist who previously denounced the Jewish state's campaign against Hamas. See, I knew she liked Hamas. And now serves as the co-director of the Missourians for Alternatives. Alternatives, I don't know. Have to Google that later. Uh, she insisted that everyone who knows her knows that Amber is not a future harm. The hell we do. She's got a track record. He has a track record. It has a track record. Excuse me, had a track record. That track record now is burning in hell along with this piece of garbage. Uh, Beverly's former neighbor might disagree. After Scott, Amber, whatever, butchered the ex-girlfriend, he called her neighbor and told her, you're next. Oh, what a what a warm human being. Wow. I mean, what? why don't we give her a Nobel Peace Prize or him a Nobel Peace Prize? Calls to save Scott have come in from the Missouri Democratic LGBTQ Caucus, LB, LGBTQ Commission of Kansas, the Missouri uh, Catholic Conference. You might want to check and make sure you're real Catholics, people. And assorted pro-crime Democrats. The media has loudly taken up Scott's case, branding him the all that matters, not the victim, not the crime, not the brutality, nothing. What matters is, apparently to the media, he is the, quote, first transgender woman to be executed in America. How do you know? How do you know somebody wasn't transgender that got hung or fried or, or stood in front of a firing squad before? Uh, 
Uh, that makes up for Dennis Rader. If that ring, uh, that name doesn't ring a bell, Google the BTK killer, uh, Haddon Clark, and the cross-dressing cannibal, and Jerry Brutus, who killed and raped four women, some after death, who inspired the fictional transgender serial killer in Silence of the Lambs, never facing justice. Now, just a little more information that I think is pertinent here. Uh, Scott's days, Daniel Greenfield writes, of hanging around prison and playing dress-up are over. Media puff pieces uh, profiled Scott's relationship with James Hickling, who was another transgender man who was involved in a drug killing, gathering together for girl talk and dealing with rude comments. So... If you butcher human beings and then say, oh, I'm transgender, somehow you're now a saint. You still have the blood on your hands, probably have the blood all over you, but you're a saint somehow. That is what the left's pushing now. That's how perverse, sick, and twisted uh, these people are. It is extremely unusual for a woman to commit a capital offense uh, such as a brutal murder, and even more unusual for a woman too, as was the case with McLaughlin, rape and murder a woman. That's from a Missouri Corrections Department spokeswoman noted. And Daniel Greenfield sets it straight by saying, it is unusual because it's impossible. The only woman in this case is the victim. However, the person who slaughtered her uh, wants to identify or wanted to identify before they were put to death. Doesn't really count. Sounds like sounds like the left is willing to make heroes of absolute bloodthirsty killers, cold-blooded, bloodthirsty killers. What in the hell is wrong with you? Okay, you want to say men can be women, you want to, but this is how sick you people are. How crazy. Literally. I mean, get the Nets crazy. Beverly, now who was the actual victim who was slaughtered and, of course, terrorized before that for quite some time, apparently. She has been ignored by all the leftists who declare war on women. (laughs) Every time abortion is in some way restricted and then go back to celebrating men as real women. Replacing women in sports has been bad enough, but the abuser displacing an abused woman shows how perverted feminism has become by sexual identity politics and pro-crime activism. It's like a a conglomeration of the evils of the left. The the identity politics taken to a perversely evil level. The pro-crime activism taken to, again, a pro-crime, pro-violence, anti-victim. Uh, mindset. This is the left. I often talk about the mask coming off the left. This is a mask behind the mask getting ripped off the left. Uh, Missouri Governor Michael L. Parson turned down pleas to spare Scott, saying McLaughlin's conviction and sentence remains after multiple thorough examinations of Missouri law. McLaughlin stalked, raped, and murdered Miss Gunther. McLaughlin is a violent criminal. What if, uh, now, if this person who was murdered, Miss Miss Gunther, uh, 
doesn't her life matter? Doesn't her life matter? Uh, I thought uh, we're supposed to believe the women. Unless they're slaughtered by a man pretending to be a woman, I guess. You're not pro-feminine. You're not pro-woman. You leftist. I don't even know what to call you anymore. This is that evil. And the media and activists, Greenfield continues, fume that the governor, the governor in his in his statement on what uh, Mr. Mr. McLaughlin had, had said and that he basically got what he deserved, the governor had not called him Amber. See, the governor's the worse person than this person who killed another human being in cold blood, brutally. Stalked raped and slaughtered her but that's not as bad as that the governor didn't didn't note that he was his real name was amber uh here's another statement that it, it's it drives you nuts we would expect elected officials across all levels of government to respect a person in life and in death you mean like beverly right the victim uh, using a person's correct name and pronouns is a very basic level of decency we can show toward each other. Apparently more important than killing somebody and raping them. Apparently more important than a 14-year-old girl, this piece of shit, excuse my French, sexually assaulted and should have still been in prison for that, Beverly Gunther would still be alive. Now, promo... That's who released that statement about the importance of pronouns. Pronouns are more important than being an actual human being, apparently. Uh, Promo is a local LGBTQ group, and they were fuming mad that uh, the proper pronouns had not been used for the the, uh, brutal killer before he was executed. I uh, I think psychiatry visits are in order here, folks. The very level of decency, Greenfield concludes, we can show to each other is to use a killer's chosen pronouns. I, I talk I'm right about moral retardation. This is so far beyond that. This There is no name. I don't know what to call it. I literally do not know what to say about it. I, I can't find the words to describe how utterly evil these people are. These are people who are are deranged, maybe morally deranged is a better way to put it. Transgender activists have a name for this. They have a name for everything, of course, little activists. Uh, But not choosing the killer's chosen pronouns, not using someone's preferred pronouns, it has a name. In this case, it's dead naming. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm glad uh, Mr. McLaughlin is dead as the proverbial doornail. The world's a better place. Whether his pronouns were right, wrong, I don't care. It's too bad someone didn't put a bullet in the son of a you-know-what's head before he slaughtered Beverly Gunther or before he sexually assaulted a 14-year-old child. I swear to God, if Hitler were to come back today with Stalin in one hand and Mao on the other hand and were to all call themselves transgenders, the left would love them. They say, oh, who cares about the, the 
tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of millions, you three horrible waste of human flesh put upon the world. Who cares? You're transgender. What's your preferred pronouns, Adolf? What about you, Mr. Mao? Where's Paul Pot? Is, is he transgender too? We'll build a statue for him. That's how sick these people are. And again, I don't know any other way to put it, my friends. I really don't. Uh, and Greenfield get, concludes with this, but Scott McLaughlin doesn't have to worry about dead naming anymore because he's he's dead and good for him. That's the one good thing he did with his life. Sick, my friends. Very, 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 very sick. Uh, Daniel Greenfield, brilliant writer. Uh, to me, he is the best columnist there is in the country. He writes so many important things, and this is such an important story because it it exposes what the left is. And understand something. The people I referenced, if they were to come back to life, the the well well famous for being brutal in, in terms we can't even fathom if you're a rational human being, Paul Pot, Hitler, Stalin, Mao, all those people, all four of them and others committed atrocity after atrocity after atrocity, and the left, I truly believe now, would actually celebrate them if they were to come back and identify as transgender. Amazing. But that's the left. They have no, they have no moral compass. They have no moral spine. I keep saying it, but... I can't wrap my mind around this type of evil. A human life brutally taken is more, is less important than calling the person who slaughtered them the proper pronoun to these people. What else can I say, my friends? But I am uh, kind of exhausted, kind of exhausted. I'm sorry for the anger and the cursing at times, but I, again, how do you as any type of morally sentient human being, thinking human being, not look at this and, and just, it scrambles your brains. It is truly evil and know who's doing it. And these are the kind of people you want to teach kids not to say that teachers or groomers, whatever, are, are cheering serial killers. But it goes down the same path. This idea that someone wanting to change their gender and their identity, what, they, what not their actual identity, but who they claim to want to be, is somehow more important than not only themselves or anybody else, but it's more important than sins and crimes they commit. Morality? Left's never heard of it, my friends. I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. God bless. Thank you for listening. Uh, remember, if you're left, you just ain't right. God bless America. Go Gators. And I will talk to y'all very soon. Be good to each other, my friends. Take care. God bless.